podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Leeds 1, Liverpool 6 in the Premier League from Ellen Road are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. Uh, an odd experience, Dave. Uh, we'll, we'll take the, the positives and we'll have a look at a few of those. Um, I'm left with a few questions afterwards. What's your takeaway from that, your immediate reaction? Um, I think it was a, a weird game of football. I thought we were fairly turgid for the first 34 minutes. I think we had about 75% of the ball and created absolutely nothing. It was uh, an exhibition of pointless, ponderous, sideways passing. And then we get the first goal off a turnover. And then we get the second goal off a turnover. We're going at half time, 2-0 up. You're thinking, okay, you know, it hasn't been a particularly good half of football from us. Both were 2-0 up, and that's all that really matters. Ibu makes the big mistake, 2-1, and you start to think, oh, this is going to be another one of those days. But then we get a third goal from a turnover, and then a fourth goal from a turnover, and then Jota shins in a fifth, <laughs> and then Darwin completes the route with maybe the pick of the bunch, given the assist from Trent, the control, and the finish. And, you know, 6-1 aided and abetted by the fact that they were absolutely dreadful. But you'll take it all day. There's plenty of positives to take from that game. I thought Trent had a really good game. I thought Curtis Jones had maybe his best all-round game in a Liverpool shirt for the senior team. Um, I, I thought genuinely he stepped up massively tonight. He won 11 of 17 ground duels. And made five tackles. Uh, compare that with his midfield colleagues. Fabinho won three of four ground duels, made one tackle. Henderson won one of six ground duels and made one tackle. Curtis just being active and going and taking the ball back for us and getting involved and being physical made a huge difference. And obviously he got an outstanding assist as well. I think those two, Salah looking a bit brighter, especially when he was able to get himself a little bit more central, was good. Ibu, other than the assist, other than, the, well, it was an assist, an assist for their goal, <laughs> I thought was excellent. I thought Virgil was good. I thought it was one of the better Andy Robertson performances we've seen in a while. Um, Gakpo getting another goal and an assist is a positive. I, th- I thought Fabinho looked a little less like Fabinho's dad and maybe like his older brother. Like, the game is the same. It's just a little bit slower. Yeah. So all things considered, I think we had some some good positives tonight. You take the three points all day, every day. 
they'd obviously beaten us earlier in the season. As Jürgen said, we owed them. And now we can, you know, focus in on the last eight games of the season. There's still a lot of points on the board. We're still battling for European football. Uh, whether or not you'd like the Euro- Europa Conference League or the Europa League, I, I don't think we, we as, you know, Raw would enjoy covering them. But that's what the aim has got to be now. We, we've got to be in some sort of European football realistically next year. It will be mortifying not to be. And even if it is a Thursday night, so be it. Carl, that's an interesting point just to get to, to fold into the uh, European remarks, if you would. The potential for European football of some sort, uh, if the run can continue in a half decent fashion. Um, and I know a lot of people uh, in my neck of the woods are kind of anxious for us to get into the Europa League because the finals in Dublin and of course we're going to be in the final right um that's basically the uh, the logic around here and I'm all for it um I personally would like it myself I think it's an attainable and possibly very important goal um for maintaining momentum and that that kind of uh, European football um uh, habit um what what what's what's your feeling on the back of that are you buoyed up and thinking, yes, absolutely, Europa League is 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 <laughs> within our grasp? And does that make you feel kind of queasy inside, even saying that? Um, I, I hate the Europa League. I'm never going to want us to do it. I'm very <laughs> sorry to all the Dublinites. But that said, I don't think that there's any point, need or requirement for Liverpool to worry about it one way or the other right now for two reasons. One, all the teams around us are not excellent and consistently giving up points. Right? We've got to play Tottenham and we've already seen Tottenham at the weekend losing again, really disappointing fashion. They've only won one in four. So if they're on a little bit of a run now, like we've been on, when we play them in a couple of weeks, we can go above them, for example. At some point, we might even get to go above Brighton or Aston Villa or a team like that. So the other teams around us are one thing. We haven't got to worry about them because they'll do what they do. Right? We, we may catch them. We may catch Newcastle still if they go on a bit of a stumble now. Um, the other side of it is Liverpool. And that's the only real thing that... It's very easy to look at a game like this that we've had tonight and say, OK, we fixed it. We can, we can go on a bit of a run now. But the last time we won a game, we spanked a team and then didn't win in four. We yeah. lost to a team in the relegation zone and were dismal for match after match. Mm. Until Liverpool can stop doing that, there's not really, I don't think, too much point worrying about which competition we'll be in or which um, which performances are going to be the, the, the most important ones three weeks down the line because we've got Nottingham Forest next. They beat us earlier in the season. Now, we know we're better than them. We know that we, we've got better individual players than them. We know we should be beating them. But until we do start doing that, three, four, five times in a row, and we've now got a run of, what is it, four in the next five games are at Anfield. We should be optimistic that we can rise up the table, but we have to do it. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, 
you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. And to sort of make rapid movements towards the next chunk of the show and stay with you, Carl, with that in mind, um, the potential for Liverpool to be something other than what we've seen, this um, Jekyll and Hyde creature, to be a consistent beast for a while. Um, And as Dave rightly points out, the first half hour would give the lie to that being a potential Anyway, and we have to be honest about that. It's not to be miserable in the in the in the wake of a six one win. It's just to actually talk about the game that was in front of us. What did you think today when you saw Liverpool line up with um, a, a predictable um, back five, including Allison? Obviously, pretty predictable midfield. I would have thought, um, unless I, I had I had a bad feeling that Thiago wouldn't be involved. So I I think that was kind of predictable. But to go with Jota, Salah and Gakpo is is a shout, considering that on the bench you have Luis Diaz and everyone's been talking, talking, talking about him and he wasn't going to start the last game and he you know, probably wasn't going to start this game and so on and so forth. We do have our very expensive, um, very popular uh, Darwin Nunes sitting there as well. Um, and to have Bob on the bench also uh, as, alongside Harvey Elliott, Simicus, uh, Jim Milner and uh, Matip, I suppose the awkwardly framed question I'm putting towards you is, do you feel that there might actually be a base there now in terms of squad strength that might see us be potentially capable of going on a run that, say, that lot didn't get it done, that those subs could possibly have managed to get it done? Again, yes, we should. That that squad, the depth that we have there, the availability of players, by the name and by what they're capable of doing, they should go and get jobs done. Whether the starters or the ones we, we turn to off the bench, they should be able to finish the job. Obviously, that comes with a little bit of context in terms of Thiago still working his way back. Diaz will probably still be two or three games before he gets back up to speed. And the people who were on the pitch have not really been in good form, let's be honest, in, in, in attack in particular. We've not created much. We've not given them service. We've not seen tremendous link play before tonight Jota looks like he's running through concrete I mean you mentioned the first 20-25 minutes of this match and it looked like Liverpool weren't doing much I think a lot of that on the ball you can say is certainly confidence related because like against United we weren't good and then we started scoring and suddenly we were incredible going forward the movement the interchanging of possessions the runs off the ball everything was absolutely spectacular and the finishing unerring and tonight exactly the same terrible for ages and then we start scoring goals and suddenly everyone remembers that they're really good at football again. But in that opening period of the match, Diogo Jota on the turn, kind of like me getting up at three o'clock in the morning. Right? You know, it's, it's, not, it's not pretty to watch. It's, it looks like he's going to bump into stuff on the way. It looks like he maybe hasn't actually put football boots on. He can't pass the ball. He, he couldn't sprint away from people sitting down, if we're being perfectly honest. It was, it was, it was horrible to watch, Carl. It horrible. honestly was very, very awkward and, and uncomfortable to watch. And even, to be honest, that that acceleration that was part of his game and the leaping to score all those headers and all that, we, we don't see that at the moment. And I'm, I'm not one of the, the obviously, the, the fitness guys that we have, the, the sports science guys that we do have on Anfield Index. I'm sure a few of them have already spoken about him, but it was a calf injury and you know fast twitch muscle fibers in the calf do take a long time to get back to full level and i'm sure that that's an ongoing process for him but we're not seeing him score the headers at the far post we're not seeing him 
burst away from people over five or six yards at the moment. So maybe there's still more to come for sure. But even on a technical level, he has looked really rusty. So now with Diaz coming back, he might take a few games as well, but they're going to push each other. With Firmino coming back and looking like a you know a reasonable option off the bench in the last few games, you'd think again that's going to be someone who's going to to push. I don't understand what's happening with Darwin Nunez, so I'm not going to talk about him. I think he should have been in the team the last couple of games because we've been dismal, and he can make stuff happen, and he's aggressive and powerful and fast and all the things we've been missing. And tonight he comes off the bench and scores a goal as well. Bit of a scruffy one, largely thanks to Leeds being diabolical in defence, but you take whatever it is. So. There are so many options there with so much quality between them at their normal level that, yeah, we should have enough to go on and blitz teams. Even if you think the midfield's not in prime um, shape at the moment, there should be enough there that Liverpool, especially on home soil, should be able to switch things around and go with four up front and give everybody too much to worry about to actually attack us. I don't doubt that that is going to happen a time or two over the next month or so and that Liverpool win games maybe just by, literally by force of arms and attack alone. Let's hope that's the case and let's hope it happens more than a time or two as well. Um, and Dave, I mean, if you want to make any comment on the Liverpool lineup tonight, feel free to. Carl's thrown in his uh, tuppence worth on the Darwin Nunes selection, as did I. I, I, I fail to understand. Um, but, you know, that is what it is. Um, but in a season, I suppose, where you've been scratching your head a few times at what the managers put out in the park, it seems to be that it will continue till the end of this campaign. Um, if you want to make a comment about Liverpool, please do. And then just give us your take on Leeds uh, as a unit, what it is that Grazia is trying to do there, because you can see they have some very individually excellent footballers, mm. but that cohesiveness that they had at their best is not really there anymore and they're clearly really 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 struggling for confidence as well which we can relate to as a team also oh absolutely uh, look the two things with the liverpool team is at the obvious too you've got two lads that have been in absolutely woeful form and yet they're continuing to get picked now one of them gets two goals tonight and i think Maybe Jurgen was just trying to almost force Jota back into form and just, you know, continue to play him until one went in off his arse and maybe his confidence would pick up and gets the first goal tonight. It's his first goal tonight, obviously not the first goal. His first goal tonight is uh, is a nice goal and the second one has a lot of luck to it and maybe that'll just break this poor cycle that he's been in. But, I mean, at the moment he can't do anything else. He can't dribble can't pass, looks a bit weak in his in his jewels, but with a bit of luck he'll turn it around. The other fella, I mean, he got an assist tonight with a cross that I don't know that was aimed at Jota, but that's about all he did. Um, but that this is the team that Jurgen's putting out, and this is what Jurgen is going to do, and we'll just have to put up with it until the summer, and then he can get some new players in, and we'll see how things align next season. Um, on Leeds. I was I was surprised by the team selection, I'll be honest. I was surprised by two picks in particular. Now, Luke Ayling is, I think, the worst player in the Premier League, but he has been starting at right back recently, and I thought he'd continue because he's the vice captain of the club and he's, you know, one of the leaders of the team. And I thought Liam Cooper would come back in at centre-back. But he went with... 
Nissan Cop Streak and Fairpo. And to me, Fairpo is he's a liability defensively. Like there's no other way around. He makes the most baffling decisions. The first goal is entirely his fault. Like I, I don't know why he tries to lift the ball over Trent in that manner. And then he just stops and starts waving his arm around, complaining for a handball. Just get your ass back. Turn around and do your job. Struyck, I like as a player. I prefer him as a left-back than a centre-back. I think as a defensive left-back, he's he's quite good. As a centre-back, he just makes too many errors. He's quite indecisive. We saw it on the second goal. He does well initially to track Mo's run. And then... It was almost like he tried to play Mo offside, even though Mo was the onside of him. And that gave Mo the space to just turn and shoot first time for our second goal. Um, like Individually, I like most of the players. Not so much Rodrigo. I think he's a bit of an empty shirt. He's the kind of guy that if he scores a goal, great. And if he doesn't, he might as well not be there. They lack... A lot when Bamford's not there. They've got no focal point. They've got no one to play through, to or through. I, I like Aronson, but tonight wasn't really the game for him because he couldn't get on the ball and, and find space. Sinister is clearly a talent, but again, every time he had the ball, we had two and three men closing him down. We clearly identified that he was going to be an issue. And again, Jack Harrison's a good player, but there's just there's there's levels to things, and he. There's areas in the game that he needs to improve on. The the big miss for them is Tyler Adams because we scored four goals on turnovers tonight. All four of our first four goals were, were turnover goals. And the second and fourth ones in particular. Was it the second and fourth? Yeah, no, the second and third goals. The the Salah goal and the, the first Jota goal. Like, to me, they're the type of goals that Tyler Adams can help you reduce from your team. Because when the ball goes behind McKenney, and you see it on that first goal, he has a really wide turning circle. When he gives the ball away to Jota in his own half, Jota just runs in a straight line. And McKenney, you know when you see someone sprint a long distance and then they slow down, and they do like a wide turning circle and then line themselves up to sprint again in the opposite direction. That's what Weston McKenney's like. He can't turn. He's got no flexibility, doesn't move his feet well. And by the time he turns around, Jota's 15 yards up the pitch. And the same thing on the the other goal, which was the Jota goal. When Cody breaks into that space, you really want Mark Rocker being able to get back in and snap at his ankles, but he doesn't have the foot speed to do it. Whereas with Adams... He's really dynamic, he's really aggressive, and he just seems to give a bit more of a shit. So he'll put in that extra bit to try and get back and make a tackle. I think they miss him massively in midfield. But when you're that bad defensively, and they are hopeless defensively, it's down to coaching, because individually they've got pretty decent defenders. Transition defense is a coaching thing. It's an attitude thing. And they're awful in that regard. And when you're that bad defensively, you really can't afford to play four attackers. 
you've got to sacrifice at that end to so- make yourself more solid at the back. Because at the end of the game, at the end of the day, you start every game with a point in your hand. And the easiest way to keep that point is to not concede a goal. And if you concede a goal, no one can take your point off you and you might get two more. But when you're leaking goals the way they are, and that's 11 goals conceded now in two home games against a really out of form Liverpool and a team managed by Roy Hodgson. Like that is embarrassing. And that speaks to a lack of coaching, a lack of a plan and a lack of players really caring and if the manager had anything about him these players would give a shit because otherwise this club is facing major issues if they go down after everything they've spent since coming up they could be in big big trouble i i think i think i'm right in saying if they go down they're facing a points deduction in the championship for ffp violations when they were last in it and if that's the case, they would start next season maybe minus six, which would be a big hamper in trying to come back up automatically. As it is, they'll already lose. They'd already lose most of that team if they could sell them or others that would go on loan. They're they're a very shoddy enterprise right now, and you you would worry for them because their running is tough. Well. If- I hope Javi didn't glance up into the stand because those boys were not happy up in the director's box. I'll tell you that for nothing. Um, and I wouldn't blame them because they just kept doing the same thing when they went 4-0 four, four down, uh, which is strange. You would have thought they'd try to shore up things a little bit. But anyway, let's get into this game. And Carl, you have the misfortune of having this opening section, which is less than fun for us. There is a chance in six minutes. It's a Rodrigo header from a Harrison free. Ali saves. Um, the Leeds man should probably do better. He's right in front of goal. He's free. Um, he doesn't do much to direct the ball anywhere um, where Ali can't get it. But our man's sharp as ever, and he's on the spot. Then soon after that, Rodrigo pulled a low shot wide from around the edge of the box kind of region first opportunity i say opportunity for us in 14 minutes a ball down the line to mo he lays the ball back to henderson his cross has a bit of low whip on it for once towards cody gakpo and his header is well to be fair to cody he has to sort of tilt his head back and it's just a matter of making contact um but it's off target uh at this point there's a I think it's a corner that comes floating over and I was starting to get a bit nervous because it was Virgil versus Rodrigo and the ball was coming down from quite a height. It wasn't really well hit corner, didn't have any particular whip on it and it was coming down from a height and Virgil conspired to to lose out on the header and certainly not win it definitively against Rodrigo and I was starting to be nervous. Uh, Those nerves continue in 22 minutes. Sinistero was played in on the counter-attack. His shot was off target, um, but to be fair to Kanate, he was putting him under a lot of pressure. Uh, we had a little bit of something then on about 24 minutes, um, which ended with a poor enough header. Um, I can't remember who it was from another Henderson sort of whipped in lowish cross. Aronson has a wild effort. He's well off balance hitting it on the half hour mark. And at this point, I've written down exactly there around the half hour mark. Oh my God, Jota cannot do anything right, the poor kid. And that's exactly what I felt. I, I, I felt for him. And I am hoping that this is, 
you know, um, exactly what Dave was saying earlier on, that he's just been played and played and played until he does something right. And now he's done a couple of things right. And hopefully he'll re- rekindle that spark. But I'm going to let you have at least one nice thing to talk about, Carl, and that's Cody Gakpo's goal. It is a lovely move. Trent onto Mo, back to Trent, um, uh, and then Cody with a comparative tap-in. Um, now, in the turnover that Dave mentioned earlier, Trent seems to move his hand deliberately towards the ball because I think he does move his hand deliberately towards the ball. But anyway, it went to VAR and it was, I assume, considered either not an obvious error by Paulson or too early in the build-up or something. So talk to us about the opening half hour, your thoughts in general about it and how we were looking, uh, and then you can finish in a high talking about the goal. If I'm being perfectly honest, most of the first 20 minutes I spent thinking we've seen this before quite a lot of times and I had to work quite hard to stop my mind wandering away from the game, to be honest, because all the things you say were, all the bits that you mentioned there which were happening were largely against Liverpool as a result of, you know, poor passes. There was a couple of Jota passes across the uh, the just sort of square passes in our own box, which just went straight to their midfield. There were a couple of, I think it was a Henderson backheeled flick in midair at one point, which went like four yards just to three Leeds players. <laughs> it was just a mess. Like it was so bad all over the pitch. Not just those two, but they were notable. Let's say for for particularly garbage moments. And I I honestly just I don't do this very often, especially when Liverpool are playing. But other things started to catch my attention, like lights going off. I'm sat here in the, in the office and <laughs> as everybody else went home, all the office lights in other areas were going off. And then this thing happened at the snooker where someone opened orange chalk or something like that all over a table, right? So I'm I'm looking at these other things happening <laughs> and I'm looking up and I'm thinking, I'm supposed to be working on this match, which is going on in front of me. And it was very, very difficult to maintain any interest in a game I've watched 1,200 times this season and I know how it ends up. Either we lose 1-0 to a team who is in danger of going relegated or we draw 0-0 after having 17 shots and doing nothing else with the ball. So it was a bit of a relief, to be perfectly honest, when we scored that first one. It kind of snapped me back in a little bit uh, focus-wise, which is you know good because that's my job. Um, <laughs> I... I, I... I've seen them given as handball, right? That's a stupid cliche thing to say, but literally this season, I've seen those ones given handball after all the rule changes. But I don't... Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I think that that was like a purpose, voluntary movement towards the ball. I think it's more like a movement of changing direction almost. Like he has to sort of stop himself to run backwards if the ball's going to go past him, you know, and that's 
part of how you move. Your arms and your elbows kind of weight in different directions. And when it's slowed down, it looks like it's going towards the ball. But I don't think it is in the you know, 0.1 seconds when that ball is actually traveling. I think that's just a change of direction. So I think it's okay that it wasn't given. I think possibly it's because, you know, there are another two, three passes afterwards before the ball's in the net anyway as well. But as Dave absolutely pointed out, the bigger issue here is Leeds just stop. Right? Two players there just stop, ask for something, don't get it, and nobody chases back. And even, I'm not sure if it's Christensen or maybe Koch in the middle as well, who is basically able to see Gakpo doesn't really sprint back to get goal side of him or make a lunging block for the, the cross or anything like that. You could see the goal coming five seconds before it happened. I'm glad it did, but it, it looked preventable, if we're being honest. And Dave, just to bring you in on this, uh, I, I just want to introduce and describe the second goal, but just to tee up a couple of things, obviously give your own thoughts on that opening part as well. But maybe again, if you want to comment on the handball or not handball, I'm struck by something Carl's saying there because. I'm writing down all the incidents here and it seems maybe a bit harsh to say that we scored against the run of play because we had all the possession. But as you rightly said earlier on, it was just that ponderous uh, playing it in front of them um, at no pace with almost no incisive balls being played around the corner or down the channels or anything like that. And when the final ball came in, invariably it was awful. So it did feel a little bit like we had sort of half mugged them. And then on 38 minutes, only four less than four minutes later, uh, we're 2-0 up and it's Mo Salah's shot of breaks from midfield. Uh, again, a turnover. Uh, Mo making a run across him from left to right in front of him there. Uh, Jonas slides the ball down the left um, and Mo adjusts his run beautifully. Now, you were talking about how the defender probably got the timing of his covering run wrong, but just the movement of Mo is fantastic. And to be honest, that's an outrageous finish. And for me, uh, you were saying earlier on about Darwin's, for me, that's the pick of them, just simply because it involved a Jota assist, which I think the kid badly needed. Um, I don't know if it was the most wonderful pass in the world, but Mo made it that, yeah. and his 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 finish is outrageous. So talk to us about the goals and anything else you want to pick out of that first half. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're both right on the, on the trend to like, it does hit his arm, and there is a movement of Trent's arm, but I, I feel like it came after the balls. The ball hit him, so it was almost like a reflex thing. But, like, the Leeds lads, they just looked at them. Like, if that was our lads, I'd be on here having an absolute conniption if, if our lads did that. That's that's a disgrace. And as Carl mentioned, Christensen, you've got one job at the back post, son. You've got one man to mark and you can see the ball. Get yourself between the ball and the man. It's very simple. It's very fucking simple. And I've always said, like, a lot of defending is down to mentality and mindset. And if you're there and you know he's going to tap in, put the ball through your own fucking net rather than allowing him to tap in. Yeah. Have that mindset. Take that goal away from him. Do not let him score. Like, we've seen Virgil do it in the past, away to Bayern. Remember years ago, we'd marked, in the Champions League that we won, we'd marked uh, Lewandowski out of the game at Anfield. We went to Bayern. He'd been out of the game. He was about to get a tap in, and Virgil put through his own net. Just to not give him the goal. Because you can't give forward players that confidence. Um, The second goal, I think Jota does brilliantly. I genuinely do. And... I was I was watching. I had Martin Tyler, who sounded like he'd smoked 
about 150 quid's worth of weed through a bong in the immediate five minutes before the game started. And Jim Beglin, who <laughs> remains just the absolute worst fella in the world. Um, and they were like, they had correctly pointed out to their credit, but the only thing they got right in the game, that Jota was in stinking form. He just tried to dribble past the Leeds player on the edge of the box and just ran into them and fallen over and was trying to claim a free kick. Everything he tried to that point was just awful. But he does really well to get back into a good position. He waits for McKenney to take a heavy touch, takes the ball off, and he just drives away. And what I like is when he got the ball, there was only one thing on his mind, which was I'm going to get the ball as far up the pitch as I can. I'm going to win a free kick or I'm going to wait for something to open up. And you're right about Mo's movement. He makes that run and then Mo hesitates. And it might be that Mo hesitation that freezes Struyck. But Mo comes to life again immediately. It's it's an okay ball. I wouldn't say it's a particularly good ball, but it's an okay ball. And Mo hits it. And that is what would be locally known in your neck of the woods, Trev, as a thunder bastard. Yeah. Um, you could have put three Ilan Meliers in goal and they're not they're not saving that. If one of them happens to get behind it, they're also ending up in the net. Because he just absolutely leathers it. And I think he might have been a little fucked off because he'd already had a couple of moments where he'd been bundled over and dragged out of and he was getting no whistle at all tonight. And I want to bring this up again on the second Mo goal, if you guys can remind me. Um, he was getting no whistle at all from the referee, and this is obviously an ongoing thing. And it was just, it looked like a strike out of frustration, and it flew in, and it was a thing of beauty. He's, he's pushed uh, squarely in the chest, I think, by striking the second half as well. Just like, before the goal, literally just yeah. before the goal, he gets shoved yeah. in the chest and, and goes down. And Martin Tyler goes, as we always say, contact doesn't mean a foul. He's shoved him in the chest. Yeah. That but, is foul. That's not contact. That is a foul. Yeah, it's 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 it is remarkable to watch. And yeah, we'll we'll push on because there's so many other fun moments to talk about here. And in the second half, uh, Carl, um, we open with a, a sort of a, a real downer because uh, Ibu Kanate is kind of caught sleeping. Um, he gets mugged by Sinistera, who does actually really well with his finish. It's a beautifully taken finish, I have to say, as Ali's advancing. Um, and they're back in it, theoretically, uh, on 47 minutes. There is a chance on 50 where Jota pulls down a sort of a punted Henderson ball into the box and uh, moved around a little bit and hit a shot wide across the face of goal. Uh, it was, as it turns out, a bit of a sighter because within 51 within sorry one minute on 51 minutes we're three one ahead and whatever hope leads had seems to have disappeared so you got i want to talk to talk, want you to talk to us about this one as well this time it's curtis jones who dave alluded to earlier on is having one of his best games as a, as a red or perhaps his best ever game as a red and i think the thing about curtis was all those turnovers and and, and ground jewels and, and and winning the ball back a couple of them came on the back of his own loose passing, but he has enough about him to chase back and hurry back and get the ball back, which I gotta say I love about the kid. 
this is just a moment of sublime um, vision. It's a gorgeous diagonal pause, uh, pass across the, the, the box on the deck, right into the path of Jota. The commentator in Sky was trying to say that the better ball was Mo Salah on the right. I don't know what he's talking about. It's beautifully finished, swept home with sort of majesty, first time by Jota. Uh, as Melier advances in a way that just totally belies the lack of confidence he'd been playing with up until now. Um, a lot to enjoy about that goal. Talk to us about the one we conceded and Jota's one to put us two ahead. Yeah, um, slight flashbacks to Man City when we conceded straight after half time, and you know, it just looks like one or two not quite as awake as they should be. The passing was a little bit soft and easy, and almost you can understand it because at that point, Liverpool two goals up and you want to take the sting out of the game, not give leads away back in. But obviously Canate had a little bit too much on that. But even before that, I think there were a couple of passes which were under hit, a little bit safe and, and not really doing anything with the ball. Um, so maybe that was okay as a wake-up call. Uh, finish was really, really nice, really nicely taken, not to give too much away. But between this one and then Leeds hitting the bar in a little bit, which we'll talk about, uh, that's two of the three players that Dave and I were speaking about today on a completely separate podcast. And I was thinking that we'd maybe jinx things a little bit, speaking of those two players. Um, Sinistera was probably their best outlet for the game as a whole. Um, generally speaking, I think we did quite well against him, but his, his movement is very good. He's he's very direct. He, he doesn't just stick to one area of the pitch. He likes to come really, really far in field, even on the opposite channel. So I think he was the the main one to watch all the way around tonight. Um, but the fact that we did just pick ourselves up and go again, very, very important, I think. Uh, I said earlier, I think a lot of this was this lack of going anywhere with the possession in the first half, the lack of chance creation in recent matches, especially away from home. I, th- I do think a lot of it is down to confidence. Like We've been playing dreadfully and we're missing attributes like aggression and, and concentration and speed and all the rest of the stuff, but I think a lot of the going nowhere play that we've been doing is down to is down to, to confidence as well. Because you do see that when we start moving and playing and, and actually attacking teams, they are still a very good side. We might not be at the very level we were before, but they're still better than most of the other teams in the league. And so Jones, I think, has been, over the last three games, our best overall performer. If you add up the level of everybody who's been playing in those three matches, I think he's our best. I think he's in the team on merit in this match. It's really bizarre how he's in the team for this match because, you know, not playing for four months and then three starts in a row all of a sudden yeah. is, is is very Jurgen Klopp and is very Curtis Jones on, on the seasons he's had with us so far. But he was very, very good tonight. I think even before the first goal, he was the one who was, again, most progressive on the ball. He was working really hard, like you say. He won so many challenges tonight, like outright tackles. And for this goal, exactly the same. Tackle, good ball carrying good decision, good weight on the pass as well. I completely agree with what you said, Trev. Jota's pass to Salah was bad, actually. It was played on the wrong side of him. It wasn't well-weighted. This one was really, really well-picked out and executed perfectly. And also, this was 90 minutes for Jones. He didn't get subbed in this one. I think that that's obviously a testament to it, to getting better fitness-wise, but also a nod from Klopp, probably, that yeah, you've, you've done well here. You've been in the team. You're staying in the team and you're staying on the pitch. I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to take the next two goals with Dave 
that chunk of the match. And then the last part of the match, Carl, with you and your final thoughts, just so you are absolutely out on time here, because I know you've got to get out sharp. Um, so if you can be ready, uh, we'll talk about the last little chunk of the game and we'll take your wrap-up thoughts at that stage, just in case we go a minute or two over. I know you've got a train to get. Uh, and then myself and Dave will take it home. Whether you can stay with us or not would depend on the clock at that point. Um, so Dave, just to talk to you about this next section, uh, there's a pretty good Aronson hit on 57 minutes from distance, mm. not not far past the the, the target at all. Um, and immediately after that, there's the most disappointing thing ever to happen on a football pitch, uh, where the most glorious free kick uh, straight from the training ground is ruled out. It's a a lovely sort of feint, then a gorgeous dink by uh, Trent. Uh, as opposed to taking on the shot. Uh, Virgil finds himself um, on the end of it over on the left. He puts in a beautifully volleyed left foot cross and there's Mo to hit his volley home. Man, it was perfection and sadly ruled out by the narrowest of margins by VAR for offside on Virgil. Um, We saw then that push that you and I were just talking about. Now, Mo overreacts, you could say, but... but but the, the the violence of the initial push, if he had just sort of not reacted to it, I understand why he did what he did, because he's got to be sick of constantly being kicked up in the air and not getting anything. So I, I don't I, I don't blame him at all. I don't consider that cheating because he gets cheated every single game by referees and by opposition players. So I have sympathy for him doing what he did because there was enough contact to use the stupid word. It was a shove. But let's talk about the two goals as well. Um, 63 minutes were 4-1 up. It is Mo Salah um, to get a, a, his pound of flesh, a little bit of vengeance. Robbo do, does really well, raiding down the left wing. There was a 1-2 in there, and he pulls back a lovely, deliberate pullback to Cody Gakpo. I thought he did really well under pressure to keep the ball under control, help it on to Mo. Now, Something that was beautiful about his finish here was just about the deliberate nature of it. Because we've seen him be a little bit hesitant in front of the goals and not quite himself. This is gorgeous, deliberate finish, just like the other one. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, he put his foot through the first one, but it was deliberate. And this one, I thought as well, a beautiful finish. They bring on Somerville, who I think is a, a, a proper talent, um, and Rutter on uh, 66 for Aronson and Rodrigo. There is another great chance for us, a really good move. On 71 minutes, Cody played in Jota. Uh, his finish uh, on his left foot was high and wide off the top corner uh, and we're 5-1 up uh, on 73 minutes. And it is Jota again. A beautiful flowing move. Henderson picks out Jota, it seems, with a deliberate enough ball across the box. And Diogo's coming in and he's swinging hard at the ball, catches it first time. Uh, now, <laughs> I've heard it referred to, Dave, you'll appreciate this as a, a man familiar with Irish politics, as a Mary Lou. It was yeah. a shinner, a shinner yeah. uh, <laughs> which I thought was quite good. But I'll be honest, um, I don't think it was actually a shinner. I think, he, I think it was part of the foot, but he definitely doesn't catch it as smoothly as he wants. But you know what that is, don't you? That's a fucking Diogo Jota goal. He was doing that for a couple of years there for us. Not quite connecting properly, but the ball was going in and who gave a shit? So I'm very optimistic about what this might, uh, the impact this might have on him. Talk to us about those two goals and anything else you want to talk about, maybe the free kick, anything else? Yeah, the Mole second goal is just 
brilliantly worked and it's a lovely goal. Um, the the Jota second goal, I mean, it, I, I don't know if Henderson is trying to pick him out because Mo ducks to get out of the way of it. So I don't know if he was aiming the cross to Mo or to Jota, but he definitely doesn't catch it clean. I don't know. Like you said, does does it catch? It might catch like where his leg meets his foot, like the kind of front of the ankle. Um, yeah. He certainly doesn't catch it cleanly. And um, I, I think you can see that in the way he doesn't really celebrate it either. But look, we don't care. We'll take it and we'll take every Jota goal from now till till summer to get him back in the right frame of mind and get him back up to speed. Um, the 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 free kick been disallowed was just it was really upsetting because it was really well worked. And the only reason Virgil is offside is because he's an enormous human being stood <laughs> next to a regular size human being. I think you're right. So there's just a bit when he leans, there's a bit more of him leaning than there is of uh, Christensen leaning. And he's offside by about a head because he's about six, four and Christensen's about five, eleven. So there's your there's your five inches. It just it, it was such a well worked free kick because it really did look like Trent was going to shoot, not just because of how Trent shaped. But I don't know if you saw Henderson backed into, I think it was Firpo. And was almost trying to back him out of the way as if I'm creating a space here for Open Trent the gap. to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And then Trent flicks it to the other side. If if Virgil is just a split second later making the run, it's it's a glorious goal. Um but yeah, I mean we we, we did just kill them in that that spell. We put the game to bed. Um again that that fourth goal comes from another turnover on the edge of our box and we drive upfield and we create the chance and create the goal and get the goal and then the the fifth goes in and, and that's it that's all she wrote we've you know we've done the bare minimum which is to match what a Roy Hodgson did at their place so you know we can all go home a little bit happy at that point but um now there was more to come which was nice it is nice, and and Carl, I'll talk to you about that. By the way, I've just seen that dope at the snooker. That is a remarkable thing to see. Um, if you haven't seen it, folks, go and have a look at that. Uh, seventy-four minutes. I thought Ibu did really well because that kid Somerville, who I was talking about, uh, there's definitely so he's got something about him, and he was driving that goal, and 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 Ibu put in a fantastic block. I think. On the balance of play, his interceptions and blocks uh, certainly uh, balanced out the mistake, probably, almost. Um, then it was just crazy town with substitutions. They brought Braun, Yonto and Forshaw for Sinister and Harrison. We bring on Luis, Bob, Jimbo, Darwin um, for Cody and Mo and Jota and Hendo. And then we bring on Thiago a few minutes later. Um what I liked about it, Carlos, we kept playing. We did keep the momentum going. Um, Miller had a cross, definitely, which I think was just badly hit enough that it was possibly going to go in, uh, clawed away, and, and then Firpo just got to a, a little ball into the, into Diaz just ahead of him. But we kept persevering, and Darwin had been very lively in the moments that he was on the park. There's one fantastic thing doing the rounds on Twitter there where you can see the reaction that Jurgen Klopp has to Darwin charging in and winning some possession uh, and keeping the possession and funneling it back to the left, to the right back and um, or, or, or whoever it was. 
he's literally sliding off his chair in appreciation. Uh, and it is Darwin who gets the final goal of the night. Um, a Trent dink forward um, from that central position, which we saw him in so much. And I think we're all starting to like the look of how we're going to compensate for it in a defensive fashion. We'll have to see. And I, I look forward to seeing how that evolves. But it is a beautiful dink forward. Darwin has, t- has made a central run. It's probably too easy for him to take the ball in his chest the way he does, to take one touch on his right foot the way he does, and to finish beautifully with his left the way he does. But I don't care whether it's too easy or whether it's um, poor Leeds defending. It looked lovely. It's a thing of beauty, and it's 6-1. So if you do... Oh, and Bobby has an effort at the end saved well by Melier, to be fair. So if you do want to talk about anything from that last section, feel free to pick it out and do, like I say, give us your wrap-up thoughts so you can make your train. Thank you. Um, I, I think, first of all, it's very nice that all those chances at the end were coming for us. Like, Leeds were terrible. And Leeds had crumbled by this point completely, and that's a real concern for them in terms of trying to avoid relegation. But for Liverpool, it was nice that, like against United, we finally found our groove and we just went for it. We went for the throat. We weren't happy and satisfied that we were getting the three points. We wanted more and more and more. And it's really important that they take that into the next game and don't bomb it all away again um, against Forest. But for this, it was just nice that even when the players came off the bench, they wanted some of it. They wanted a part. I thought some of them might get a few more minutes than they did. I think, was it 80 minutes when they all came on in the first batch? So it wasn't a huge amount of time that they had, but they kept it going. They kept the momentum going. I was a bit greedy. I wanted Firmino to score that good chance that he had, um, just because I don't really know how many more Bobby goal celebrations we're going to get. And, yeah. and hopefully we, we do get a couple more because they always feel pretty special, to be honest. Um, but just in general, it was very, very pleasing to, A, not go into the last 20 minutes of a match filled with trepidation of what God, honest, turgid crap are we going to watch now? Are we still going to have that like little modicum of hope where you think maybe we'll get a, a set piece or a penalty, and miss it anyway, uh, and score a crappy goal to get a sneaky win at the end of the match? Or is it just going to be against Chelsea and nil-nil all the way through and nothing really happens or the other matches in the games before Chelsea we basically had no shots on target second half and never looked like scoring it was nice not to have any of that and away from home like we've gone over and over our, our away form so much even that one today what was that our, was that our fourth our fifth fourth win? yeah fourth. I mean, that's, that's dismal let's be honest that's yeah Fulham have won six times away from home they're rubbish everyone's won four times away from home. Even Chelsea have won four times away from home. So we need to be much, much better there. But we were much better there tonight. So we can take that. And that's the first proper away league win since Boxing Day. It was like Newcastle had a goalkeeper sent off basically before the match started. The other one was against Wolves in the Cup. They don't count. So this was a first proper win away from home. I'm really glad that Leeds leads it and like completely did no defence. And Melier was Melier and didn't really do anything at all to stop anything that came towards him. Maybe we got them at a really nice point, but we actually had to attack and play and be quite brave at times or, or work our way into bravery like we're used to. Um, so it was nice to to take that momentum through about an hour's worth of play or something like that. It just It's a little bit annoying that it keeps that hope going for the season when we have <laughs> actually killed it off ourselves like 16 times already, but we do still have something to play for. Do you have any specific stat you want to throw at us before you leave? 
My favourite one is Curtis Jones making five tackles tonight, which is more than anybody else. Curtis Jones, who was a nine, not nine, a ten, and an inside forward coming through, and an attacking midfielder at best, and now is a bit of everything. His first assist of the season in the league, obviously. His first 90 minutes since... I don't know, Rob Jones was still playing for Liverpool, never mind Curtis Jones. <laughs> this is just a really, really good arc for him and he has to make the most of it. I was with you. I thought Thiago was going to be... No, sorry, you said you thought he wasn't going to be. I thought Thiago was going to be in the team, but I didn't really want it to come at the expense of Curtis Jones. I don't think that that deserves to be the case. So hopefully this is really kicking on for a few players tonight. It's very, very important. I think Andy Robertson had his best game in an absolute eternity as well. Mm. So hopefully... Bit by bit, we are we are getting there. We're getting better. Lots and lots to look forward to, at least until kickoff in the next match, and then we'll see. And just before you ball through the door, what have folks got to look forward to from you? Uh, nothing. I'm on holiday for a week. <laughs> Yay! Get in. Excellent. Right, go on. Get yourself on that train, lad. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye bye, both. Take care, man. Take care. Dave, we'll see you at home. I mean, you obviously have a couple of final thoughts here. And maybe if you don't mind just circling back to the concept of, it was more Carl I was talking to you about, talking to about it. I, I found myself really torn. I know you were saying conference in Europa. I, I really, I, I, I think from a sort of almost status point of view, I, I, I really struggle with the idea of Liverpool having to take part in that conference league. And again, I know that sounds entitled. I don't give a shit. Of course I'm entitled. Um, where do you stand on this? Do you think it's a doable thing? Uh, do you want us to do it? Um, is it a doable thing? I think it probably is. When we look at the table, we're two points behind Brighton. They've got a game in hand, but they have a tough enough run in. Villa, they're in unbelievable form. They are absolutely phenomenal since Emery took over. Under Gerrard, they had 13 league games. They took 12 points. Under Emery, in 18 games, they've taken 38 points. It's Champions League form across yeah. almost half a season now. Yeah. But, but can they keep it up? You know, that's, that is the question. Can they keep it up? They were obviously clearly a lot better than what they showed under Gerrard. But they're realistically not as good as what they're showing under Unai Emery. So, there's a possibility that they have a slip, a stumble somewhere. We're three behind them with the game in hand and we have a superior goal difference. So win our game in hand and we'll go ahead of them. Spurs just look completely lost. The decision to sack Conte was understandable in many ways. But the bottom line was you were fourth in the league. You had one of the best managers in the world. He wasn't going to quit. You could have rolled it out till the end of the season, hoped for top four, and then been in a stronger position to go and get a new manager. And Conte, you probably could have shook his hand at the end of the season and said, look, thanks, but this hasn't worked, even though you you got top four twice. It, the, the fit is not right, so go and do your thing somewhere else and we'll go a different direction. So I think we could potentially catch all three of them. Champions League is gone. We We can forget that. We're nine points behind. Newcastle with the same number of games played. We're not catching them. Um, do I? So, yeah, we can get them. Do I want us to get them? No. <laughs> no, I don't want us playing. Uh, even in the Europa League, I know the finals in Dublin. Whoop-de-doo. Like, <laughs> but what, what do you think about the, uh, the idea of rhythm, keeping a rhythm of European game, league game, 
cup game, European game, league game. What was there something was is there something to be said for that for the club and the players in terms of us not being a sort of a, a busted flush going into the next campaign, or do you think it matters at all? I don't really think it matters, if I'm being honest. I don't really think it matters. I think we might suit a bit better next season because we're still going to have... Look, we need a major overhaul this summer. We're still going to have a lot of old players next year. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. And I think they are suited to playing once a week. And let's be realistic, if we're in the Conference League, most of our best players are not going to fucking Estonia in September for some Conference League group stage game. You know, it's going to be a bunch of kids and reserves and stuff that are sent anyway. So oh, I, I don't know. He, he'd been that competition off. I just think there's enough residual prestige with the Europa. And man, for a potentially, com- yeah, potentially. As, as, as there's, a, there's enough money a, at stake in it. Yes. And as a completist, I want to win it. It's also, you know, it's a, clearly a fucking massive ask, but we could potentially be the best team in it and therefore would have a good chance of winning it. And that would be another. Uh, avenue to Champions League, of course. Yeah, and it might it might actually be our best avenue to Champions League football, in fairness. So, yeah, I mean, Europa League definitely has merits. So if you want to tell me we should be in a... Yeah, I can get on board with Europa League. I'm not getting on board with that little thing. I'm no, just no, not. No, no, no chance. The no. Europa Conference League, even the name of it is, is shit. <laughs> like, the name of it is just shit. I have no idea where the final is going to be, but let me tell you, this year's final for the competition is to be held in Prague, which, other than the fact that Prague is is a good weekend away, it's not exactly a sporting hotbed. Last season's final took place in Tirana, which, again, I'm sure it's a great weekend away to head to Albania. It's not somewhere I'm going to go and watch a football match or anybody's going to want to go. Like, the stadium last year for the final held 22,500 people. The stadium this year for the final, I would imagine is going to hold a similar enough amount. I wouldn't imagine it's going to be a big crowd. Uh, Let's just see. Uh, The Fortuna Arena in Prague holds 19,370 people. So that's the type of stadium it's going to be in. So I know there'll be loads of people who go, oh, well, look, trips around Europe, whatever. 
if the stadium holds 20,000, it means the fans, it means both clubs are going to get about 6,000 seats for the final. Like, That's bananas. So you're not going to get, like, no one's getting, no one's getting a ticket for it. So I can't it, understand what the purpose of it is. First of all, when I heard about it, I thought it was, oh, oh another um, license to print money, cynical move by UEFA dressed up as a chance to let lesser clubs have a, a joy of European experience. But if, if the venues are that small, <laughs> I don't see where the money's going from. Or the the, they, haven't, they haven't actually announced where next year's final will be. But I'm guessing it'll be a similar stadium because that's just that's just what they're doing. But I mean, it's just it's it's reflective of the clubs that are in the competition. In fairness, yeah, like yeah, it just is. That's just who's in this competition. I mean, West Ham are in it this year, and going into it like West Ham, Fiorentina, Villarreal, Nice, AZ Alkmaar, Shamrock Rovers. And Basel were probably the biggest clubs in it, and there's not one of them that's a, a big club, you know. It's, so it's a, it's a real it's a real possibility that that is the reason why West Ham have fallen off so badly this mm. year too. You oh know? yeah, they're running to the ground like, and and Moyes yeah. is just he's, he seems besotted with winning a European trophy. But no, I don't want any part of that. Uh, Europa League, yeah, fair enough. But go and win it. Like if you're going to be in it. Go and win the fucking thing. Don't don't half arse it. Don't do anything else. Go and win it because it it may well be our best track into the Champions League next season because we're so far off. Like we're miles off now, and you'd expect Arsenal to strengthen. You'd expect United to strengthen. Chelsea won't be a shit again. They Chelsea will. Chelsea have a clearer path to being a title contending team than we do because yes, they true. realistically need a manager, a goalkeeper. One in midfield and one up front. We need three or four starters and five or six squad players. So we've got a lot more to do. They need um, something to keep Todd out of the dressing room as well, apparently. <laughs> I'm telling you, can you imagine if you're like, imagine you're Thiago Silva and you've been around. You've been at Milan under Berlusconi. You've been at PSG under the lunatics that run that place. Like. And and then you come to Chelsea, you've won a European Cup there, and all of a sudden the owner's in the dressing room. Like Berlusconi himself, who was psychotic and would do anything he wanted, said that he wouldn't dare step into the the dressing room. He said he tried once and Saki told him that if he ever tried it again he'd break his jaw. <laughs> and that was back in the eighties and he said he I never love that. I've never heard that. I've never yeah. heard that. Berlusconi said it when he was talking about. I think it was a, it was something about like something to do with Saki's, the anniversary of Saki's team winning back to back or something. Milan did a thing, and he was talking about the respect he had for for Saki because Saki took ownership of the team, and it was his team. And if Berlusconi had an issue with the team, he spoke to Saki because previously Berlusconi had kind of gone in the newspapers and talked a bit of shit about players, and Saki came to him and said. Don't do that. Talk to me. And then he talked about this, where he tried to go into the dressing room one day to give the players a dressing down after a bad performance. And Saki met him at the door, led him out into the hallway and they had a confrontation. So I might be paraphrasing with the broken jaw thing, but it was something along those lines. Um, So, like, I I just can't imagine the owner coming in and, and grilling the players. And like the reason they're in a mess, Todd, is you. 
it's you. You did this. If the players are playing like they don't know each other, it's because they don't. But the irony is, Dave, that the scatter sh- shot, um, fuck all the money at the wall, buy all the players approach, mm. has left a fucking gorgeous jigsaw to be made yeah. by some good manager who you can come in there and go. With that group and set. Like they've got all the depth you could need. It's just... That's what I'm saying. How, how exciting is that as a project for someone? Jesus yeah. Christ. That's why, yeah. like, Luis Enrique put his hand up straight away. I think Nagelsmann will be interested. I think Pochettino will be interested. I think a bunch of managers will be interested, even though it's it's a bit of a, a poison chalice there. They're in a great position. They'll be better next year. If the Toon get Champions League football, all bets are off on what they'll spend. Yeah, yeah, like, that's good, it. Good night and God bless. They will go absolutely haywire. Spurs will have a new manager, so they'll have to do a few bits and pieces. And despite the fact they've been a bit of a train wreck this season, they're still better than us this year. So, I mean, what does that tell you, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's why if you go into the Europa League, it might be your best path to a Champions League spot. So, go and win it. Go and win the thing, because why Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you go and win it? Well, if you know you can, you know, you can go into it and win it, that means we can do it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's it. You just have to swagger into that trophy and think, well, we're the best club in this, and we have pedigree. So, it, 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 it's... it's I, I understand what a compromise this is to be having this chat after after but but after the season we have had it's not and it might just mean there's something tangible that can be achieved at the end of the season there has been at the end of every single club season that's the thing there's been something good at the end of the season yeah and look none of us will will or should try and paint however this season ends as a success god no even if we go on a run here and we win say six of the last eight and get a couple of draws and we end up in fifth. That's anything other than a title challenge was unacceptable this season. We can win every game from now to the end of the season. Arsenal could lose every game from now to the end of the season and Arsenal would still have more points than us. That's how bad we are. That's how bad we've fallen off from where we were last season, where we ended up with 93 points and they ended up with 69 points. There was a 24 point gap then between us and them. And as things stand, there is a 27-point gap between them and us. Now, I'm no Rachel Riley or whatever her name is off countdown, but the last time I looked, 27 and 23 made 50. That's a 50-point swing over 30 games. That is atrocious how far we've fallen. So... Look, we just need to win the games we can win. It's as, it's as simple as that. We have a favourable enough run-in coming up. Forest at home, they're awful. West Ham away, they're awful. Spurs at home, they're a mess. Fulham are on the beach. Brentford are on the beach. Leicester are beyond awful. Villa at home will probably be tough enough, but by then we might have passed them. They might have dropped a little, and maybe they're on the beach. And then but it's also it's also a game that has it's also a game that has something on it like the Spurs yeah. because it, it it's a it's a six pointer if you know what I mean. Hundred percent. So that's good, you know. Hundred percent. But like any other season, any other season, we'd have looked at that and thought, oh, that's eight wins. Yeah, hundred. Like that's eight wins. At worst, it's seven wins and a draw. We might drop a point, drop two points here or there, but that's that's going to be minimum twenty two points from the twenty four available, and. If we play like we did tonight, we can win maybe six of them and get a couple of draws. 
and that would be a good end to a dreadful season. Yeah, that's all it would be. You're it's right. All that's it all be. it would be. It would yeah. be scant consolation. But the, the the fact of the matter is that no matter what Jim Beglin and fucking Cheech and Chong beside him tonight say, <laughs> there's there's no there's no excuse this summer for Liverpool not having the start of a significant rebuild. And I don't just mean players coming in. Players need to leave as well. Not just the lads whose contracts are up. There's lads there that need to go. The time has come. They've run their race for the club. They just can't do it anymore. And they need to be moved on. And a, a significant rebuild needs to take place over the next four windows. And then realistically, we should be in a strong position to challenge maybe in the third year. Or maybe if we do it well over the next three windows, we're in a strong position to challenge for the title in 24-25. But next season will be what this season has been painted as, that season of transition. And and the thing is, we're trying out this new shape that we saw tonight where Trent slides into midfield, Robbo stays a little bit more defensive, so it's almost a back three, though it is a little bit lopsided. Trent next to Fabinho, Henderson pushes on and does whatever it is he was doing tonight. Jones pushes on and does, you know, all that good recycling, linking work he was doing. And then you've got a front three that goes wide and comes narrow and moves and interchanges. If that's going to be the shape moving forward, then next season with new players in for Fabinho, for Henderson, for where Jones was tonight and for Robbo, they're the big four changes that need to happen. They're the big four starters that we need. And then we need a bunch of squad bits. But maybe you get two of those starters this summer and half the squad bits, and then the next summer you get the other two starters and the other half the squad bits, and you work on that shape and you stick with it and you try and perfect it. And if it takes all of next season, it takes all of next season. But don't veer from the course. Set a plan. Set a destination. That is how you transition. You can't jump from pillar to post. You've got to have a set aim in mind and a set way of playing and an identity, Trev, because the thing with us is we always, under Jürgen, had an identity. We knew what we were as a football team. And this season, we've lost all sense of an identity. And this new shape, while it can be an identity, it's not a Jürgen Klopp team. Like, it just isn't. This patient, ponderous football is not Jürgen Klopp. This 3-4-3 or 3-box-3 is not Jürgen. It's not the way he wants to play his football. So it seems like he's been heavily influenced by his coaching staff. But if if he's going to go with it, he's got to fully commit to it. And everybody, players, coaches, medical staff, the lot, have to commit to this and figure out the best way for that shape to be successful for us. And the recruitment staff have got to nail the recruitment this summer, in January, if there's to be January recruitment, and then next summer. They have to nail each and every window because we'll have a finite amount of money. We won't we won't get the, the mega backing. We might have maybe a hundred million, a hundred and fifty million to spend this summer plus some sales, which in days gone past we'd have been rubbing our hands together and thinking that's that's incredible. But you know, 150 million, let's say we get another 50 in and for some sales with Maybe cost the sleeves, 
Matip leaves, Kelleher leaves, Nat Phillip leaves. That's probably 50, 55 million. So you might have 200 million, but you go and you drop 70 on Alexis McAllister or 80 on Caicedo. Well, all of a sudden now you've only got 120, 130 to do the other bits and pieces that you need. And there is a lot needed in this squad. So it's a massive couple of months coming up. I think we've got to go into the summer off the back of a bit of a run, though, because I think I think you can carry momentum from season to season. I think you can carry confidence and self-belief from season to season. I think players who are, who finish a season in a rich vein, vein of form come into the next season in a strong mental place where they're able to just lock in straight away and know that they can thrive and that's what we need to see over the next few months, uh, the next eight games, and then it needs to be all systems go. As soon as the season's over, players need to be getting lined up to come in and players need to be getting pushed out the door. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No more fucking Jürgen's retirement home. If they're not up to scratch, and it's very clear who's not up to scratch, thank them for their service, give them the gold watch, pat them on the arse and send them on down the road. I think there's a real possibility, Dave, with a Caicedo and McAllister level, specifically that first guy and another yeah. uh, of a very good sort of um, eight standard. I think the season of transition could be minimised and there could be even potential for achievement. Uh, just with those two alone, though, that would be almost yeah. transformational. Almost transformational. Oh, because, 100%. You know, um, well, I said today on Twitter, like someone someone asked, just kind of messing, if you had 250 million to spend, what would you spend it on? And I said, the first two things I'd do is I'd go to Brighton, I'd tell Tony Bloom, name your price for Moises Caicedo, because he's 21, he's already one of the best midfielders in the league. Like, and it's, 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 he's in the very small group of best midfielders in the league. He's got enormous potential and he can play as a six or an eight. He can play that deeper role. He can play a bit higher. He can do anything you want. He'd fit like a glove into what we want to do. And he loves a tackle, which is he why... He loves a tackle. That's why with the Trent thing, I just think he's so perfect. He'd be ideal. And then the other thing I would do is I'd go back to Real Madrid and say, look, here's the situation. You want Jude, you can't afford him. We can't afford him either. But last summer, you stole Chiumeni from under our noses, and we want him now. He hasn't settled... He's the third choice defensive midfielder. He doesn't fit any other position in your setup. So we'll give you, you paid 80 million euro. We'll give you 80 million pounds. So that's about a 6 million profit. We'll give you 20 million in add-ons. Overall, it works out at about a 17 million profit for them. And we'll take them off your hands. And you plop those two into our midfield. They're 21 and 23. Yes, it's 160 million. But even if it's if our budget's 100, we could make up the rest with some sales. And if we could do nothing else, I'd go and I'd spend big on them and try and pick up one or two maybe on loan or on freeze. Do whatever you have to do. Scrape whatever barrel you have to scrape. You add two transformational talents in midfield. And I, I think with Thiago, with Trent stepping in, with the shape that we played tonight showing as much better for Har- for, for Curtis, I think it would show as much better for Harvey. I think you'd see Fabio Carvalho do quite well in that midfield shape that we saw tonight as one of those advanced midfielders where he's not been asked to do a whole bunch of defensive work. I think we could make that work. Robbo tucks in as as the left side centre-back 
in possession, plays left back out of possession for another year, and we address that then. Trent slides in, Caicedo can play that bit further forward and, and just be that safety net who doesn't let the opposition out. And you've still got Chirmeni and Trent sat behind him and then a back three. I would just go and spend my, my money on those two. If, I, if that's all I had, that's what I'd spend it on. If there's more to spend, great. If there's not, go and offer 80 million plus add-ons for the pair of them. And what's the worst that happens? They say no. But the thing with Tony Bloom is all he asks for is that you go to him directly. You don't go to the agent. You don't try and sideswipe him. You go to him directly. You approach Brighton with respect and you ask him what the price is. And he will tell you a price for every player at his club. But the price is the price with him. Now, he, he'll allow you maybe favourable terms. So you might not have to pay a big upfront ch- chunk. You might be able to finagle some some of it down into add-ons. So if he says 90, you might get it for 80 and 10 million of like really achievable, easy add-ons. So like, you know, 5 million at 20 appearances, another 5 at 40, something like that. But if you treat him with respect like that, he will let his players go because his whole model is identify, recruit, develop, sell, recycle. That's his whole model there. So when he signed Caicedo, he told him, we will be selling you for big money when the big money comes. Yep. The reason Arsenal didn't get him is they tried to go through the agent and make a prick of him. Chelsea had already blotted their copybook by going directly to Graham Potter's agent and not negotiating with Brighton. So both of them are on Bloom's shit list. And while people might think, oh, people in business don't have shit lists, Tony Bloom has a shit list because Tony Bloom holds grudges. Ask Matthew Benham why Tony Bloom hasn't spoken to him in 14 years. Like, he just falls out with people when they disrespect him because he's he's very straightforward and very upfront. He wants you to be the same. So I'd go and I'd try and get those two. If you get those two, put them into the, this team. You've got arrested Fabinho to rotate with them. You've got arrested Thiago to rotate with them. I think you get more out of Jones, more out of Harvey, more out of Carvalho. It's transformational. It's absolutely it transformational. Entirely. Yeah, yeah. Entirely, you know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll what... see. It's 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 a beautiful pipe dream which I'm going to hang on to. Dave, uh, for the rest of the week, what have you got, man? I know we're doing something tomorrow night, right? Yes, we are going to record a buzz podcast tomorrow, where we will document the career of one of our, both of our favorite actors. Um, he's a favorite of both of us. I think is a better way to say that. Um, other than that, I've got two footed every day, daily read every day. I'm having to record them on my own because Drinkle's off uh, philandering in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> there'll be a scouted with Match and I'm going to interrupt his holiday to make him podcast with me. I think there might be a fight fever this week as well with Dave Davis. And that might be it. I hope I that's think- it. I don't think I've forgotten anything. I think that's plenty, to be fair. Um, <laughs> quite honestly, I know, I know I've literally got a show every day this week. It's, it's like a Hendrix-style schedule. I'm not used to yeah. this shit at all. Uh, okay, let's wrap it up with that. That was Dave Hendrick. here heard Carl Matchett earlier on. The Reds did a win. That's good. I've been Trev Danny. We'll talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. 
The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.